I felt, I felt I'll, I'll be doing more teaching today than preaching. There are times, you know, you just, you know, you go off and you preach, you proclaim, you prophesy, you're spitting all over the place. You're backflipping and all of that. But there are just some services, man. You just, you just talk to the people. Of course, you're not talking to them from your head. You're ministering to them from your heart. So many people minister from their heads. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to minister to people from our hearts. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Praise God. So I really feel that I'm going to be doing some teaching today. And uh, if you remember, I've been talking to you about, you know, exposing the kingdom of darkness. Exposing the influence of the kingdom of darkness over people. We have looked at a few topics last Sunday and then the Sunday before and on Wednesday. If you came here on Wednesday, oh my goodness, that was, a, that was an explosion in this place. I told, you on, I told you on Sunday that I was going to do a special deliverance service on Wednesday and we had a special deliverance service. I'm telling you, the power of God smacked this place. People were touched. People were set free. The, the art of deliverance have been lost in so many places. People have come to the place of mental gospel. Mental gospel just trying to appeal to the minds of people. Appealing to the minds of people will not set them free. There are deep things that people are dealing with. And if you don't, if you don't preach According to the word of God and you don't flow in the spirit, they'll come sit under you for years and they'll never be free. So we're dealing, with, we're dealing with a series here that I believe will do an amazing work in your life. To change your life. I believe the first Sunday I, I talked about light over darkness. I want to say light over darkness. Light over darkness. That's what we looked at the first Sunday. Who remembers what we looked at last week? What, what did we look at last week? Huh? Uh, is that what we, we... What we're doing is exposing demonic influence. That's what the, the whole theme is exposing demonic influence. But what was it specifically we looked at last week? We looked at levels of demonic influence. Oh my God, don't be a forgetful hearer. In actual fact, it is said that I believe it's 60%. They said about 60, 70% or 90% of people who sit in church services. The moment they leave the door, they forget everything the pastor preached. We talked about levels. That was the levels of demonic influence. And we touched how many levels? Four levels. Level number one. Depression. Level number two. Oppression. Level number three. Obsession. Level number four. Possession. These are the four. Listen, you, you've got to know these things at the tips of your finger. These are the four levels of demonic influence. 
depression, obsession, oppression, possession. We looked at these four. And you've got to understand these are ways that the enemy influences people's lives. Now, for a child of God, one that's born again, they cannot be demon-possessed. A Christian cannot be demon-possessed, but a Christian can be oppressed. So what we deal with when it comes to demonic uh, influence and deliverance, when it comes to Christians, we're not dealing with possession, we're dealing with oppression. That's what really we're dealing with for the most part, we're dealing with oppression. Now, when I say a Christian cannot be demon-possessed, I'm actually referring to the spirit of the man. Because man is a spirit. Man is spiritual. The man, the born-again man, cannot be demon-possessed. Why? Because he, the man, everyone said the man. I'm not talking about the body. The body is different. The body is the house where the man lives. The body is the house where the man lives. So the man, the born-again man, if any man is in Christ, the man is a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So the man is the born-again man that lives in a physical house, and the physical house is not born again. The part of you that was born again, instantly instantly saved instantly carries the holiness of jesus is the spirit is the spirit so you as a spirit is born again amen but you live in a house the name of your house is called the body and you have a soul your soul is made up of your mind, I was in my mind, your will, I was in my will, and your emotions, I was in my emotions. Now, even though the man is born again, listen to this carefully, even though the man is born again in the spirit, the soul of the man can still be oppressed. The soul of the man should not, but can still. The body of the man can also be pressurized. Because to oppress is to put pressure. Acts 10, 38. What does it say? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. And with what? Power. Who did what? Went about doing what? Good. What was he doing good? Healing all who were what? oppressed of the devil for God. So you see that sickness is an oppression. Sickness is a demonic oppression. Now I'm not implying that every sickness that comes on people comes directly from the devil. You know what I mean by that? But the devil is the originator. You know what I mean by that? If you go to a restaurant and you eat a bad food that is, uh, you know, poison, you get food poison. And you, all kinds of things begin to happen in the WC. Uh, 
so that, that food was not prepared by the devil. The food was prepared by somebody in a restaurant who was not careful. Correct? So that's what I mean. But ultimately, everything evil comes from Satan. Are you listening to me? If someone makes a bad business investment and they lose their money, you can't blame me directly to the devil or on the devil because the devil did not do the investment. But ultimately, poverty is from who? From the devil. Can someone see this? Amen. So, we, we talked about light over darkness and then uh, levels of demonic influence. Today, I want to talk to you on a topic that I believe will bless you. It's, the, the title today is Permanently Free. Now, for those of you who were with me on, on Wednesday, I touched this, this, these things that I'm going to be talking to you about today, uh, but I, I've added a few more things to it, and I also changed the topic. So if you heard me on Wednesday, you're going to hear me again today. Amen. You're getting a double dose. But if you did not hear me on Wednesday, then, then get ready. John chapter 10, verse 10. Open your Bibles, please. Yeah, that's cheesy. Just don't shout if everyone would not. <laughs> Open your Bibles. John chapter 10, verse 10, the Gospel of John. It says, The thief cometh not, but, to, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Who is the thief? Satan, the devil, is the thief. Is the ultimate thief. He comes to steal. I want it to steal, steal. to kill, steal. and to destroy. But Jesus said, "I have come. I have come that they might have what life, and have life how more abundantly." Amen. That is what Jesus provides. Jesus provides life and abundant life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But there are some steps that I want to give you today. Uh, and I want you to see that these steps are important when it comes to having permanent freedom. I want to say permanent. Because what I want us to accomplish is permanent deliverance for everybody in this ministry. I want to say permanent. So that should be a goal. You want to be permanently free. Amen. And in my years... As, as a minister of the gospel, I have discovered, I've discovered that some people are progressively delivered. Progressively. I've discovered that. I can tell you story after story of people that were progressively, progr I was progressively, progressively delivered. Now, now when, it comes to, when it comes to demonic possession, that's a totally different story. Possession that needs to be dealt with immediately. The devil needs to come out. I mean, right there and then. If it takes you five hours, then do it. But, but there are areas in the soul that are progressively changed. I want to say progressively changed. And I'm going to be sharing some of these things with you today. So the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So abundant life is what Jesus wants you to have. Come on, say amen. amen. 
That's what Jesus wants you to have. Not just residing in your spirit, but affecting every area of your life. Abundant life is in the born-again believer already. But the born-again believer must let the abundant life of God flow out of their spirits and affect every area of their life. So to be permanently free is important. But number one key for permanent freedom is to be born again. I cannot say this enough. To be born again. There is a story of a young man who uh, I was invited to pray for. The guy who came to talk to me about this other guy, this young man, many years ago, said to me, Pastor God, well, there is this guy from our community. The guy was from your community. And he said to me, uh, at a certain time every year, at a, I want to say a certain time. At a certain time every year, something bad will happen to him. It was a vicious cycle. At a certain time, if it was in the month of October, every October something bad will happen. How many of you know that was a curse? I said, how many of you know that was a curse? Oh yeah, there are families like that. There are families like there are families where people don't even get past the age of fifty. There are families where no woman gets married. There are families where, I'm telling you, the curse of the enemy is upon some people. So what did I do? I went to the guy's house, and, and at the time he was living in, in, in TBS. For those of you who, don't, who do not know the abbreviation TBS, it means... Talabashe. Talabashe, it's, if you've, if you've ever been there, you know it's one of the poorest community and neighborhood in this area. So, that's where he lived. We go into his house, you literally have to go in like this, and you're getting, and there was the young man in his, in his room. He was not a Christian. So I, I, I lead him to Christ. And then he started coming to church. And then the following year comes around. And he observed. I mean, we, we've observed. I mean, for years now. I'm still in touch with him. The following year came around. Nothing bad happened. The next, nothing bad. The next, nothing bad. But at a particular time every year, something terrible must happen to him. But the moment he gave his life to Christ, Jesus broke that off of his life. Amen. See, salvation, what is the, the word salvation? It's the Greek word sozo. Everyone says sozo. It's the Greek word sozo. It means deliverance. It means healing. It means freedom. It means liberation. It means emancipation. Everything that you need is in Christ. So that curse was instantly removed from his life. Why? Because Jesus Christ came into his life. And when Jesus comes into your life, the curse of the enemy cannot remain. Amen. Are you seeing this? Yes. So salvation is key number one. Everyone says salvation. salvation. When you are born again, you are free. 
When you're born again, you're free. The Lord breaks off the plan of the enemy, the bondage of the enemy, the curse of the devil over your life is broken because Jesus Christ comes in. And when light shines in darkness, darkness would leave. Can someone shout hallelujah? hallelujah? Now, but there are things that have happened in people's past. That is where we now have to look at the realm of the soul. Because the realm of the soul is not instantly saved. Your mind was not born again. Are you listening to me? The spirit is instantly saved. The soul is progressively saved. And the day is coming when the body will be finally saved. You know when the body will be finally saved? At the rapture. When God gives you a new body. Come on now, somebody shout hallelujah. This body you have right now is not born again. In actual fact, this body you have right now will have, to, will have to give way for you to take on the new body, the celestial body, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This body you have right now will not make it to heaven. Are you listening now? If this body ever makes it to heaven, you will never survive it. The glory of God shall be too much for your body to handle. You will never, you will never get up on your feet if this body goes to heaven. So God has designed it in such a way where this body never comes to heaven. From the dust thou camest, into the dust thou shalt return. Correct? God was speaking to the body, not to the spirit. Because the spirit did not come from the dust. The spirit came from God. Are you listening to me? But the body came from the dust. So from the dust the body came. And to the dust the body will return. Why? Because the body, listen, the body has been affected. The body has been affected by what? By sin. So the body does not qualify to go to heaven. When Moses in the book of Exodus chapter 33, remember what he prayed? He said, oh God, show me your what? Your glory. God said, no flesh can see me and live. So when I pass, I'll hide you at the cleft of the rock and I will cover your eyes with my hand and I will let you see my back parts, but you will never see my face. But the day is coming when you put off this body. You take on that celestial body. 1 Corinthians 15. This celestial body that you're going to take on will enable you to stand in the presence of God. Come on now, somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise God. So in the spirit, you are perfect. Everyone say I'm perfect. You're perfect in the spirit, but in the soul, you are not. Now, people have a lot of things that they are dealing with in the realm of the soul, as you can see what happened on Wednesday. Because when the hand of God begins to go deep into the realm of the soul, where the hand of man cannot go, when the word of God goes into the realm of the soul, where the words of man cannot go, God begins to unveil and open up the things of the past. And when God opens up the things of the past, God is giving you the opportunity to be healed. The healing of what happened 10 years ago is deliverance. People carry trauma. Even childhood trauma. 
How many of you believe that? Oh, yeah. People carry childhood trauma. Things that happened to them when they were six. Things that happened when they were 12. Things that happened, things that that uncle did to them. Things that that auntie did to them. Things that parents did to them. You, you, I don't know if you know Joyce Meyer. How many of you know Joyce Meyer? Yeah, yeah my amazing woman of God. She tells her story all the time. All the time. What story? The story of, of sexual abuse from her own dad. By her own father. Is that possible? Oh my goodness. Listen, don't stick your head in the sand like an ostrich. Don't think things are, things are happening. Things, terrible things are happening. That's why the church must not be ignorant of these things. These are the schemes of the devil. And we must be aware of these things. We must, we must teach them. And we have the responsibility, like I told you last week, as parents, we have to stay on top of our game. And as your pastor, by the grace of God, I, I also have to stay on top of everything that's happening here. There are people who will, I'm telling you, before you let people go to the kids' church, I mean, we, we have this strict structure here with regards to the kids' ministry. Of course, with regards to the entire church, but the kids' ministry, we don't want everybody going there. Oh, why? Don't you trust me? I'm sorry. I trust God. No, really. Don't you trust me? Sometimes, sometimes it, it's, it's the naivety of leaders that allow things happen. That allow things happen. When you hear me say I'd never let my daughter sleep out, maybe people might think I am too extreme. But I'm telling you, you might think I'm too extreme, but if something goes wrong with your child, you will know I'm not extreme. Because the thing about that is once it happens, it has happened. You cannot turn back the hand of time. It has occurred. He has been touched. She has been touched. It's over. And many of them carry that for the rest of their lives. And you wonder, a man of 30 behaving like a child, something altered his life. Because the parents were so stupid to let them go all about the place and hang out with whoever. God have given you as a parent the responsibility of looking after your child. And that also means discipline. Discipline means to put them on the path you want them to be in until they grow up to the age where they make their own decisions. That's what the Bible says. Train up a child in the way he should go so that when he is old, he won't depart from it. I'm not naive. I'm not stupid. Look at my forehead. You, do, you see stupid here. No stupid here. Come on now, say amen. amen. And I'm also talking to you adults. Whether you're married or not, you must watch yourself. You need to also watch yourself. Don't let your God down. Watch yourself. And I'm not saying be suspicious of everybody, but watch yourself. One of the things you've got to learn is trust God. And, and, and trust God alone. I'm telling you right now. Yes, the Bible says to believe the best of everybody. So I believe the best of everybody. But I'm not stupid. Sometimes people come, they look nice, look cute. Look like the best thing since sliced bread. Keep your God up. Tell your neighbor, keep your God up. 
I'm telling you, keep your God. Keep, keep your God up. Protect yourself. Protect the anointing on your life. Come on now, say amen. amen. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Watch over other people. That's why I get involved in people's lives. I warn them. I'm not being nosy. I'm just being a pastor. Yeah, I'm just being a pastor. Some people don't like it when you correct them. Some people don't like it when you look them in the face and say, no, don't go there. Don't do that. Don't take that. Don't make that journey. Don't do that. Oh, oh, pastor. No, it's not a control. I'm not trying to control your life and your destiny. You've got the right to make your choice. But I'm here to tell you that if I see, if I perceive that something bad's going to happen, I ha it is my right to talk to you. And when I say right, I owe it to God as a pastor to warn people. God gave me that right. Come on, I'm preaching good. Say amen. amen. So people are messed up. People are messed up in the soul. And a lot of times they are not dealing with what they did wrong. They are dealing with what was done to them. This is the unfortunate thing. They are not dealing with what they did. If they did it, they would take responsibility for it. And that would be much easier to deal with. But it was not done by them. It was not an act of sin that they committed. It was not an intentional act. It was something that was done to them when they were totally innocent. What can a five-year-old come up with? But somebody did this. Somebody touched them. Somebody messed up their lives. That's why when you talk to people that are distorted and that have this really view on, on sexuality, and when you talk to them, they'll tell you. If they honestly open up to you, they'll tell you that they were molested. You can't deal with demonic influence and deliverance really without dealing with the sexual side of life. That's why a lot of people are hooked, up, hooked on pornography. Young men hooked on pornography. They even say that, listen to me, the statistics, statistics shows that over 60%, about 40-60% of pastors are hooked on internet pornography. Pastors. I know this is not a pastor's meeting, but my question is, if that is a problem with, with some pastors, what is the problem with some members? Because the leaders, listen to this, the, the leader's lowest standard is the member's highest standard. The leader's lowest standard is the follower's highest standard. These are the things, these are the things that are affecting people. And, and some of those men of God, as much as, I mean, I, I, want them to, I want them to repent. But I also understand that something must have been done to them that they never really came clean with. That is the reason why I believe as a preacher, you've got to come clean. And especially those that are in Bible school. If there are things that you're dealing with right now, and you know God has caught into the ministry, don't hide them and sweep them under the carpet, hoping that it will go away. Because what you sweep under the carpet is still there. It's just like when you get a sudden ring on your bell and, oh, you look at the, through the peephole, that's a friend. The guy just came, showed up at the door, uninvited, and your house is a mess. You start sticking things under the chair. You sweep things under the carpet. Now, your friend comes into your house and it looks like your house is perfect, but you know that your house is not perfect. You just swept some things under the carpet. You just tuck some things under the couch. 
When your friend leaves, you're going to start pulling them out and making sure that your house is tidy. That is the way some people live their lives. They've stuck some things under the chair. They've stuck some things and swept some things under the carpet. They behave as if the thing does not exist. But the thing is still there. Still there. It's still there. So number two, number two key for deliverance is accept it. Do what? Accept it. Look, this thing happened. You're not going to keep avoiding it. No, accept. Denying it happened does not take it away. Denying the thing happens does not take, thing, take it away. One of the primary steps to deliverance is admitting it happened. Stop living in denial. Number three, confess it. Do what? To confess it means to bring it to light. The devil is a master of secrecy. The devil wants you to keep it to yourself. The devil does not want you to talk about it. And that is one of the major issues now. Really, if you think about the hyper grace teaching, they, they now say that you don't have to confess. All your sins have been forgiven, so you don't need to confess. No, we've got, to, there are things that you cannot keep to yourself. It will eat you up. Confession, listen to me. Confession is not for God's sake. Confession is for your sake. You're not confessing because God does not know what you did. You're confessing for your own sake. You can't bottle it up. If you bottle it up, it's going to explode. Are you listening now? So confession is not for God's sake. Confession is for the sake of the person who has done the mess. But confessing it does not just mean confessing sin. Confessing it also means exposing to light what was done to you. And until people, in many cases, open up that area of their lives, they never get free. They never get free. And that is why you see people acting a certain way. And when they are with you, you wonder, why are they like this? Why are they like this? Why are they consistently acting in a certain way? This is a born-again child of God. This guy speaks in tongues. What is going on? And you know what the devil does? The devil pushes the same button all the time. Because the devil knows what happened. And he knows that there is that area of weakness in your life. And you are not free from it. And guess what the devil does? The devil will push that button every now and then. Especially, listen to this. Especially when you're coming close to a breakthrough. Oh my goodness. Why do you think, have you heard me say, Christians shoot themselves in the leg? Have you heard that? Yeah. When you're coming close to a breakthrough, the enemy will push that button because he knows that you're going to act in the flesh. And acting in the flesh, listen, to, oh, but Pastor God, you mean if I act in the flesh, my miracle is aborted? Let me say to you this way. The moment you start acting in that particular way, you destroy your ability to believe. Did you hear me? You destroy your ability to believe. The Bible says, if your heart condemns you. So it means it is possible for your heart to condemn you. But the Bible says, if your heart does not condemn you, you have what before God? Confidence. That's the word. Confidence. Or another word for that is boldness. If your heart does not condemn you, you stand before God confidently. 
So when you pray, you believe and you receive. You know that the accuser of the brethren does not have anything on you. And so there you are standing before God and your faith is actively at work. But when the devil knows that there is a certain area where you are still bound, you are not free from that. The enemy will come and push the button when he sees that you are close to a breakthrough. And the moment you start yielding to that, he disrupts everything. And guess what happens? You go back to square one. It takes you a week or, a, or two weeks or a month to recover. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. It takes some people a week to recover. It takes some people two weeks to recover. It takes some a month to recover. And the moment that is done, they're now dealing with what? They're not just dealing with the sin. They're dealing with guilt consciousness. Talk to me now. They're dealing with guilt consciousness. Why do you think Paul writes in Romans chapter 1, or chapter 8, verses 1 and 2? What does he say? There's therefore now no condemnation. To those that are in Christ Jesus. Correct? So the man must have seen the way some Christians live. That's why he wrote to them in Rome. He said there is therefore now no condemnation. Why? Because the enemy will put condemnation on you. Because the door is open to the enemy into your life. And that condemnation means you've got no boldness. What does it say? First John chapter 5. This is the confidence. I want to say the confidence. That we have in him. That if we shall ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know for certain that he hears us, then we have boldness that we receive that which we have petitioned God. Can you see the place of confidence? Can you see the place of boldness? That when you are bold in prayer, your faith is at work. But the enemy knows what, where to touch to stop you from being bold. And to affect the way you receive. So it is not God stopping the miracle. It is you stopping yourself. Oh my goodness. Is this helping anybody? Yes. Let me say it again. It is not God stopping the miracle from happening. It is you stopping yourself from receiving. Why? Because your faith has become inoperative. So we can, you can't bottle up some things. Childhood trauma, uh, you can't. You've got to open it up and tell it. And I want to say this conf confession. Listen, it's not just to God. It's also to people. <laughs> you know, people, listen, if you stole someone's pen, you need to tell them my story. Listen, <laughs> there, there is... <laughs> That's what the Bible calls restitution. Okay, if you stole someone's stuff, you take it back and say, look, ah, this is your stuff. Now, a Christian shouldn't be stealing. So people don't say, I stole. They say, they say I, I, I just took it. So it's called pilfering. People, people take things of, pilfering is taking things of, of small value. It happens even in the office. People work, Christians work, they work at a place and they take a pen. The pen is the company's pen. It's not your private pen. They put it in their bags and they say, oh, well, I'm working for the company so I can use it. We had somebody here many years ago. She used to come to the church and she would pack rolls of tissue paper from the back. I kid you not. 
rolls of tissue paper. The rolls of tissue paper in the, in the, in the toilet is for the people that come to the church. It's not for you to take home for your private use. Oh my goodness, people stealing from the house of God. Oh, but I tithe. I'm preaching good now, say amen. 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 Number four, repentance. Number three is what? Confession. Number four is what? Now let's deal with confession just a little bit more. Confession means bring it to light, talk about it, because the devil is the master of secrecy. In, 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 in most of my dealings or all my dealings with people that are struggling in, this, in certain areas, one of the things that I've demanded from them is to know the root. I want to say the root. See, there is a root to why people behave the way they behave. Jesus said a good tree bears what kind of fruit? Good fruit. A bad tree bears what kind of fruit? Bad fruit. But, but the, 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 the fruit that the tree produces is determined by the quality of the root system. Is that true? It's determined by the quality of the root system. If the root system is bad, it's going to produce bad, bad fruit. And guess what? Listen, when Jesus said the tree does not produce, a good tree does not produce bad fruit, he's actually referring to the root. But the root of the tree, you don't see. What do you see? You see the, str- the trunk. You see the branches. And then you see the fruit. Is that true? But you don't see the root. Why? Because the root is deep in the ground. That is exactly how it is in the lives of many Christians. The root system is what you don't see. But we see the fruit. So when we see the fruit, we determine what the root is. The fruit reveals the root. So if somebody keeps producing a certain fruit, you can tell the root of that person. So when we talk about finding out the root, why the person is behaving the way the person is behaving, I mean, you deal with people that have all kinds of issues like rage, fits of rage. Oh my goodness. People have issues like that. Why are they like this? There's actually a story I heard of a, of a man of God. When he gets upset, he throws things all over the place in the house. Gets upset, he would... That's a feat of rage. Why do you do that? Have you not seen people that get upset, they punch the wall. They want to let it out. True? But they keep punching the wall. They, they need to do something. They need to... There's a problem in that area. You'll be shocked when some people get angry. Oh my goodness. You cannot hold them down. I remember one Sunday service, Pastor Corey was done preaching years ago. Two brothers were fighting out there. No, I'm, you, no, I'm not saying quarreling. Physical fight. Physical fight. Physical, physical fight. One of them, I know this guy personally. He, this, is, this is a problem. This is a struggle in his life. When they lose it, they lose it. 
You would, what? Are you, is this, is this, brother, why are you like this? Give them one hour to finish, they'll calm down. But you take them about an hour, it will take some about 30 minutes, it will take some about 45 minutes, and when they finish acting in that way, they calm down. And, and I noticed the day, the day, the day the guy manifested here, I tried, to, I tried to calm him down, and I realized, I mean, I'll never forget it. It seemed as if he went to a different level physically in strength. I thought, give me your wrist, please. I thought I could just grab him like this and say, hey, take it easy. Oh, no. He almost twisted my wrist. The strength, the strength the guy exerted, I, I, I mean, I know he's a physically strong person, but the strength was supernatural strength. Because people don't realize that at times like that, there is a demon involved. A demon involved. But there is a root. There is a reason why they behave the way they behave. That's a reason. So when we talk about confessing and bringing it to light, you bring it to light. What are people that are dealing with suicidal thoughts? So what am I going to do? You're going to open it. You're going to talk about it. And I'm not telling, I'm not telling you to go all over Istanbul and tell everybody. Neither am I telling you to tell everybody in the church because the people you talk to might put your story on Instagram. <laughs> so you, you want to be careful that you're not telling the wrong people things about your life. And one of the principles and ethics that we have in ministry is what is discussed privately stays private. It's, un it's unethical for me to tell your private conversation to someone else. Unethical. So when people come to me and say, oh, Pastor, I want to talk to you about... No, not when you want to talk to me about somebody else. If you want to talk to me about somebody else, I'm going to expose that one. But when you want to talk to me about you, okay, that's different. Because some people might come and say, Pastor, I want to talk to you about brother so, 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 and so. No, if you want to talk to me about brother so, 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 and so, you've got to be ready because I'm going to tell this brother so, so, and so about what you told me. Because I'm not going to be involved in your gossip. I don't have a problem with you coming to tell me, but I have a problem with you not letting me tell them. So if you don't want me to tell them what you're about to tell me, please don't tell me. Because the moment it comes out of your mouth, guess what? I'm going to call them. I'll say, this person, I'll give the name. This person said this. Oh, but pastor, if you go about it that way, how are we going to come tell you the secrets that's happening in people's lives in the church? Listen, the secrets that's happening in people's lives in the church, if you truly want to help them, the first thing you need to go, do is to go to them. If you truly want to help them, if you are so concerned that people are not living right, Love requires that you go to them first in love and say, My brother, I notice if you would let me speak with you. I realize this. And I'm your brother. Um, I, I just want to point it out. Now, if they don't want to repent, there's nothing wrong in you coming to me. Oh, but pastor, they'll think I'm, they'll think I, I, I'm, a, I'm a gossip. No, you're not a gossip as long as you don't want, you don't want to stop me from talking to them. Because people come say, if I tell you, please don't tell them. <laughs> no, I'll tell them. 
You know why? Because I want to help them. No, not you. I, I want to help them. So I want to help them. That's why. That's why I'm going to tell them. Can someone say amen? amen. Praise the Lord. So expose it. Tell your neighbor, expose it. That's what it means to confess. Don't hide it. Don't cuddle it. Don't pamper it. Expose it. I've discovered also that when you expose things like that, 50% of the victory is won. The things you hide, you may not overcome. Because because you have not exposed it, guess what? The next time you get the opportunity to do it, nobody is going to hold you accountable. But when there's somebody that's holding you accountable, you remember, oh, if I do it, they're going to ask me. And then you begin to gain the victory. Can someone shout hallelujah? hallelujah. Step number four, repentance. That was a repentance. What does it mean? Watch this. Watch this. I'm going this direction. Watch me. I'm going this direction. And then the Lord convicts me that this direction is wrong. How does the Lord convict me? He speaks to me personally. My time of prayer, when I'm reading the Bible, there's a conviction. Or when I'm hearing the word of God, there's a conviction. Is that true? So now I know that this path is not right. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to men, but the end of it is what? Destruction or death. Now the way seems right to the man, but the way is not right. But to the man, the way seems what? Right. So the Holy Ghost comes and convicts the man. Now, repentance requires that the man turns. I want to say turns. Uh-huh. So the man stops going that path, the man will go the opposite direction. That means the man has what? Repented. Repented. Remember when Jesus came to the house of Zacchaeus? What did Zacchaeus say? Zacchaeus say, said that everyone that I've taken from, I shall return four times. Are you listening now? So repentance requires that you stop doing what you are doing. Notice Zacchaeus will stop taking and extorting from people. Instead, he will start giving to them. True repentance produces an act. There's an act of repentance. So if the Lord convicts you about this path that you're applying, and the Lord convicts you, you say, Lord, okay, I see what I'm doing is wrong. Uh, I'm sorry, but you continue. Now, with all the steps of deliverance, this step, repentance, in my opinion, comes first. In order of priority, there is nothing as important as this. You can confess it, but if you don't repent, you'll never be permanently free. Are you listening to me? So you've got to repent. I even talked about salvation. Notice, salvation is not coming up in front and saying the prayer of salvation, but then leave the altar and go back and continue a life of sin. Come on now, say amen. amen. Preaching some holiness here. This is not joining a Christian club. Jesus, come into my life, I join your club. No, that's not what it means. Sal <laughs> Salvation in Christ means 
that the things that I loved to do, I do them no more. There is a great change that happened in my life when Jesus Christ came in. Come on now, somebody say amen. amen. It baffles me. I mean, it has baffled me for, for years. You know, when people that say they are Christians are still involved in drug dealing, is still involved in swindling money, is still involved in wash wash, still involved in, yeah, yeah, all kinds of things. They, no, listen, they, and they think, they think, well, I tithe, internet fraud. You can't say you are a child of God, born again, and you are involved in all of that mess, and you still claim to be a, give me a break. Something is wrong somewhere. Somebody has not taught you well. Somebody did not teach you well. There's a big problem in that life. Jesus Christ changes you. Amen. That amen is weak. Amen. Jesus Christ, it, listen, when you are born again, the things that you love to do, you would not do anymore. If you were running after women all over the place, you would stop. Because there's going to be a nature in you. And I want say nature. The, the nature of God will be implanted into you and you, will, you would not want to go there anymore. I don't understand Christians going to nightclubs. I'm going to... Uh, somebody told me years ago, Pastor, I went there to relax. <laughs> Are you serious? I went to the nightclub to relax. How can you relax in a nightclub? How, how, tell me, how in a nightclub you can relax with all the noise and all the <laughs> ugly stuff. Should I even talk about the ugliness in, in the nightclub? People drinking and getting drunk and pe girls showing off everything. And here you are, Christian, relaxing. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sh I think, I'm sure when the, they, they're doing all the stuff they do, to entice you, you're there, peliante, speaking in tongues, getting drunk in the Holy Ghost. No, you're not getting drunk in the Holy Ghost. You crossed into the wrong territory. You've crossed into the wrong place. There are places where Satan is Lord. There are places where Satan is Lord. Believe it or not. There are places where Satan rules. I went to the nightclub to relax. You, the, the guy told me this. He told me this. I was shocked. Never heard any Christian talk like this before. He went to the nightclub to relax. To relax in the nightclub. And be careful what you do. I told you last week. There are times people cross a line of no return. I'm telling you right now, you can, you play with fire, guess what fire is going to do? It's going to burn you. Repent. Repent. Turn around. Stop thinking like that. Stop acting like that. The grace of God will help you. And if you have a struggle, then talk about it. Talk about it. You don't need to be sneaking around at midnight. I'm on the right subject. That's why, that's why it's so quiet this afternoon. I'm on the right subject. 
I'm on the right subject. Well, Jesus turned water into wine so we can drink. Somebody said to me, Pastor God, I know my gauge. You know your gauge. Something is, t- <laughs> something is wrong. Oh, Pastor God, you are so extreme. Hey, what, what would you prefer? What would you prefer? I'm extreme on holiness. Oh, yeah. I'm extreme on holiness. The stuff you watch on TV, I'm extreme on holiness. The, mu- the music you listen to. Oh, Pastor God, even music. Oh, yeah. Don't you know that even the music you listen to can open the door to the devil? People listen to music and they want to take their own lives. I mean, you listen to some of this, what they call this hip-hop. Some of you, okay, not you. <laughs> listen, the kind of things you, you listen to, they are going to affect, they're going to shape the way you think. Because it's, some, some of this, sometimes, you know, because it's particularly the American rap. People don't know the lyrics. The lyrics is filled with sex and death and murder and drugs. That's the lyrics. That's the lyrics. You think I'm dancing to the beat? But the, li- <laughs> the, the, the lyrics of the song, it's death, it's murder, it's rape, it's suicide. It's, these are all the stuff that's said. And what they do is they release spirits. They release demons. And they, people are receiving those devils as they stick their earphones listening. I'm preaching good. Yes. Amen. Amen. Everyone say repent. 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 You, want, you want a healthy life. Don't you? Yes. Repent. The things we allow will affect us. They will. I told the story and my dear sister was laughing that day like there was a young lady. She came here and she wanted me to pray for her deliverance. I wanted to pray for her freedom. But this is where the Lord has stopped me in, a several, in several cases when it comes to praying for people's freedom. I couldn't pray because they have to repent. Because if you don't repent, even if I pray from now to tomorrow, really, you won't be eternally free. It won't last. The young woman would sit in the service and something would come on her. In the middle of our message, something will come on her. She'll get up. She'll begin to walk on. she start working in the service. She wasn't the preacher. She was not an usher. Something just stirs up in her. She begins to walk around. While the message is still going on, she still walk around, walks around, walks around, walks around. And then she sits back down again. You know that's not from God. It was not the Holy Ghost. It was a demonic evil spirit. So I, 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 
brought her to the church. Of course, not myself. I don't, don't want to deal with people like that alone. I said, man, you know, she's a woman. So I had someone else come. And uh, I said, uh, sister, I want to pray for your freedom. But for me to pray for your freedom, you have to be willing to repent. And at the time, she was, sorry to say, she was into prostitution. So I can pray forever. You'll never be, you're never going to be free. You will never, never be free. I was a repentant. Cannot overemphasize this. People will never be free until you're willing to repent from it. Oh, Pastor God, are you, are, you pulling, are you pulling all these rules and regulations on us? Absolutely not. But this is the Bible. This is the Bible. The Bible says we must work out our salvation with fear and trembling. This seems to be not preached a lot today. In the name of grace. It's not grace. It's, it's hyper grace. It is not grace. It's distorted grace. Because grace is not let people do what they want because God's grace is upon them. No, grace is God's ability not to live that way. Grace enables us to walk in holiness. Grace enables us to live right and talk right and, and, and act right. And when you're flipping through the channel and you see that, you, you, you continue. You don't stop. Oh, Pastor God, I don't know what came upon me. I just stopped. And I started watching. And then I realized one hour later, this is sin. No. And when you hear Christians that talk about, you know, how they, 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 they got into a certain area and, and they are not able to come out of it. It has become a pattern. It has become a lifestyle. Listen to this carefully. Before they even did it the first time, the Holy Ghost told them, don't do it. He told them. Because God never leaves us without instructions. He said to them, don't. No, 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 no. You're about to cross the red line. You're about to cross over to a territory that I, I may not be able to help you. Because as much as he loves you and he wants to help you, he cannot hold you from doing that. Come on now, somebody say amen. amen. This is the, 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 the greatest thing really. When you, All the list of things that I can give you. I gave you some on Wednesday. But I, this is where I'll stop. But this is it. This is it. Repentance. I want to repentance. And if everyone here is willing to repent, so Lord, I'm not going that way anymore. I'm not going that direction. I wouldn't do that. By your grace. There's a willingness on your part. You cut away some friends. Pastor God, yes, you cut some people out. You, you, you must do that. You, you've got to do that. You cut some people out of your life.
Come on now, somebody shout hallelujah. Sometimes you get, sometimes I even get it. It happens. I don't know about you, but you get an invite. Somebody wants to be your friend on Facebook. So you don't just go, accept. Check their pictures out first. Check their pictures out first. Check things out. Then you, I look at some picture. No, decline. No, you decline. You've got to decline. You've got to decline. Say, no, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to be your friend. And there are some people in your life, and you know what I'm talking about. They just keep leading you in the path of unrighteousness. But pastor, you know, they're my best friend. What am I going to do? What you're going to do is you're going to make an adjustment in your life and get those people out. Get them out. Oh, I cannot. No, you can. They would hate me. Well, they hated Jesus. Praise the Lord. Who wants permanent victory? Honestly, man, that, that's what I want all my life, man. I don't want to be in bondage. I don't want to be in, I've been in bondage and I'm in freedom. I know the difference. I don't want to be, not even for one moment. I don't want to be in bondage. I love freedom. And I want to say this to you. Bondage is more expensive than freedom. Bondage is more expensive than freedom. Bondage, you cannot sleep. Freedom, you put your head on your pillow, you sleep like a baby. Bondage, you lose your mind. You might even be locked up somewhere in a straight jacket. Because you're crazy. The woman of God, pastor's wife, was affected majorly. She, she, was, she was taken to the mental institution. Mental institution. Pastor's wife. So, Pastor God, is it possible? Is it possible? Yes. Pastor's wife was taken to a mental institution where she stayed for, I believe, over one year until a man of God, anointed man of God, came and helped her. But she was there, mental institution, for one year because of what she allowed. Another pastor's wife, she sits in front of the TV and she just watches soap opera. Soap opera. And so, soap opera is divorce, remarriage, flirting. All the stuff they do. That's what you have. Is that correct? And so she's there watching soap opera, soap opera, soap opera. Guess what? She divorced her husband. Because that's what, what you put in front of you. It goes into you. Sitting there watching soap opera, soap opera, soap opera. And then the enemy began to say to her, because you know, you see all those people, all those women, the way they make up, the way they dress. Some of them in the, in the movie, they are living in a $1 million home, but they, are, they actually live in a... Uh-huh. So, <laughs> fact fact they, li they live in uh, you look at them in, in this my god palatial villa but they actually live in a, this small rented apartment if you do like this you'll be touching both sides of the wall but that's how they live in the movies 
So this pastor's wife was watching. She watched, she watched, she watched. And the enemy began to tell her, you see? See, your husband is not... You are so beautiful. You see? Before you knew it, she says she is done with her husband. Is it possible? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, watch your heart. Protect it. Protect your heart with all diligence. Can someone say amen? amen. And, and don't be deceived even by all those models you see. Those skinny girls, <laughs> slim girls. <laughs> don't let that influence you. Many of them, listen, is this helping anybody? Yeah. <laughs> don't, let that dis don't let that determine the way you live your life. Oh, I want to look like that girl. She's, look at her. She's so thin. You know, some of them, many of them actually suffer from anorexia. That is eating and vomiting. They'll eat and they'll pick, stick their hand because they don't want to keep the food. It's anorexia. Because they don't want to gain any weight. Is that how you want to live your life? Tell somebody, I am, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Yes, come please. I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Say it one more time. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Hallelujah. Pastor Leila says she wants to share something she read this, this morning. This morning I was reading, um, looking at Twitter. And um, one of the mega churches in, in America, I guess he is a part of um, the uh, staff. And the guy came up. It was... Lakewood Church. He was talking about the films, the games that were made in Hollywood, the signs and the words and the things that they were sharing, and the kids were watching this, and then he was all talking about it, talking about it, and he said, please protect your children. No one clapped him. No one clapped no him. No one. No one clapped him. And he was in shock. You know, you think that when you're sharing this, you know, protect your children and their family is there, their parents there. They would clap it. You'll be excited, no, but no. No one. And I mean he was in shock and Joel Osteen was shocked too. Mm -hmm. I just I couldn't find it. I was gonna read it, from, but I couldn't find it. So it's very important what your child is watching. Very, very, I mean, we have parents here. You have to be, really look what they're watching. And um, again, I read it somewhere, and they let, um, this was the series of kids' uh, movies or something, this was a Turkish family that I read a testimony. 
father was sitting um, next to the child when he was watching, the child was watching, and he heard the words coming out of that movie or whatever, cartoon, and he was in shock and called the wife and said that this is what he was watching, didn't you realize? At the beginning, it wasn't like that. Later, you know, slowly by slowly, they're putting these things in the kids' movies and kids' games or whatever, and to, to change yeah. and to touch the, the kids' minds. Yes. So please, be careful. Watch what your kids are watching. Yeah, that's good. Amen? Yeah, very good. That's very good. Amen. Because, think about it, it's social engineering. That's what it is, social engineering. Catch them young. So they even have, in schools also, it's happening in schools. Somebody was telling me this, this is, I wouldn't mention so that they don't even know I'm talking about them, but someone was telling me that in school they now teach their kids, you know, and they sing it like lullaby, you know, girls can wear blue, boys can wear pink, and so, but if you don't understand what that means, they're manipulating the kids and telling them, yes, you are a boy, but you can wear a dress. Yes, you are a boy, but boys can wear dresses. Boys, you know pink is associated with girls, right? Yeah, so boys can wear pink, boys can wear dresses. And so the boy is growing up now thinking to himself, okay, I can wear a dress. And they start experimenting. Listen to this. You hear stories. They start experimenting in their own room. In front of a mirror, they're wearing makeup. They're dressing in a certain way and looking at themselves. Ah, look good. And the enemy begins to get into their heads. And then their future is altered. Oh, my goodness. Kissing. When I was a kid, my goodness, we could watch adult programs on TV with my parents. Nobody, we didn't do this because everything was clean. But now you can't even sit at home and watch with your kids because your kids are going to. Is this true? Because people, people, unfortunately, are being desensitized. And you know how to, desens to, to desensitize people? They don't do it immediately. They do it little by little. Little by little. Gone are the days when, you know, in movies, all they did, a man would shake hands with a girl. That was it. And then, let me do it with my daughter. A man would shake hands with a girl. That was it, right? And then the next thing they start doing is, start giving a peck. They give a peck on the cheek. And even when they would give a peck on the cheek, because of the way we were raised, you know, we would do like that. 
We didn't even want to see that. But you know what? It's called social engineering. They are brainwashing you to accept it. So it's one step at a time. And so they get past that. And then they kiss on the lips, but they do it like that. Yeah, that's not a big... That's, then, before you know it, you're getting used to You're getting used to that. They're getting, you're getting used to that. And now, before you know it... Remember when the devil was not a tailor? Late, very, later, the devil became... Late, <laughs> later, the devil became the tailor. And when the devil got into the fashion industry, they... They started opening from one button. Now they don't even put buttons. No, there are places. What law you are? You live in this place, don't you? I mean, there are girls. They don't even put buttons. They're just there. There's nothing under. Throw that light dress out. You know, it's very hot now. The weather is so hot. So get out on the street, man. What's the big deal? And guess what? It's accepted now. It's accepted. And guess what has even happened in the church? They brought it to church too. They brought it to church. You have to stay on this on a constant basis to say, hey, there is a way Christians dress. In, in, we dress modestly. We, we don't do that. Even young men don't know how to put belts around their waist. I see some of these guys, man. And sometimes, I mean, something is wrong. Yeah, some people don't know. See, you put, listen, you put the thing, you, you hold it well. You hold the thing, you hold. See some guys, man, they, 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 they are like this. So you would see, you would even see the boxes. I see many of them sometimes walking on the streets. Some of these Africans, I'm sorry to say. And then people wonder why the Turks treat you that way. When you're walking on the street with your, with your boxes exposed, don't you know the country you live? Don't you know where you live? So this is not just about girls. Guys have a problem. Many of them have a problem. Okay, it's after two. Father, we thank you. We bless your name. This is designed to help people. And therefore the word is preached and the word is taught. That it will impact the lives of people today. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray. May the work that needs to be done, be done. May nobody leave this place like they came. Let all that has been spoken today bear much fruit. Change us from glory unto glory. We receive your word today. Where there is rebuke, we receive it. Where there is reproof, we receive it. Where there is exhortation, we receive it. And Lord, help us to make the necessary adjustments in our personal lives. Paul said, I put my body under because I don't want to preach others in. And on that day, I'll be disqualified. 
So Lord, may we not be disqualified. May we pay the price. May we do what is necessary to live for you, that we might carry your power and your glory in our lives. And Lord, on that day, you shall say to us, well done, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone say, Amen, Amen, Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah.